Titus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> Episode number 42 of the Hell Ming Pow Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Rick, and with me as always is my Manborg Ninja scientist buddy, Mr. Danny Bennett. Wow, that is the best introduction I think I've ever had on this show. And uh, for all you Douglas Adams fans out there, you know what 42 means. It's the uh, secret to life, the universe, and everything, of course. And so this episode has to be super special. And fortunately for you, we have something super special. Unfortunately for you, <laughs> Spe- unfortunately special. for you, you have something super special, special in which direction? Us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's special. Oh it's yeah, got some special characters and some special times. Special. Yeah, it's it's we are covering the Eliminators. You know, we've we've been talking about this movie since we kind of started this show, and and not in love. It's just one of those things that gets brought up because it's part of that memory that's just trap back there that needs to be wiped out but uh so we just decided hey why not let's go ahead and tackle this one it may not hold up but uh yeah you'll see how that works out uh i had a blast revisiting it so uh we're gonna dive in that pretty quickly man i'm, I'm excited about getting into it actually yeah yeah I, I too and you know similarly i remember it being a kid and i wasn't sure how it was gonna hold up but i think i think that it's just as good now as it ever was and uh, and that's that's even considering the uh, the rose colored glasses of youth, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, well, I, we were talking beforehand, and I said that I actually enjoyed it better than I did when I saw it as a kid. I mean, well, I say that in jest because you know the kid thing you're blown away by crappy effects. Now you're not so much. But I can't believe there was actually an attempt for a story in this one. So uh, it's going to be fun to dive into this, man, and just try to make sense of all the madness that's in it. So if you're an Eliminators fan, welcome aboard. If you've never heard of it, you may have to go dig this one up and check it out. Uh, I will warn you that it is a Charles Band production, which is already a mark against it. But uh, it's got that same kind of love that you have for all those 80 flicks from the time. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of lot of love for Charles Band, but he has his place in all this. And, and you know... Even a blind pig will find a worm. <laughs> right. That's a weird analogy, but yeah, all right. So, folks. they use their nose. Oh, it's the nose? Because they use their nose, yeah. Yeah. So does Toucan Sam, but he finds Fruit Loops. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> like there's a point to that. All right, folks. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. The Hail Ming Power Hour is brought to you by... At 
Admiral Akbar Lobster Bins. It's more than a convenience, it's a trap. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! All right, folks, welcome back. Really excited about jumping into this one just from the fact of it's one of those you've kind of forgotten about. I think this really ties into the initial idea of what this podcast is, is revisiting these movies that somehow are still just stuck in the back of your mind, even if it's just a still frame. You go, oh man, I remember that. And uh, the scary part of that is actually revisiting it and making you go, yeah, this is pretty crappy. So uh, we'll see how this one holds up. 1986, The Eliminators. Before we do that, we know we've got to take the time machine back to 1986, which is one of my favorite years. But, yeah, 1986 uh, is good. It's a good year. I enjoyed a lot yeah. of stuff in there. So it's going to be neat to go back and check out the surroundings. But before we do that, because of the time chicken, we have to have our sponsors. And uh, our brand new sponsor we got this week, uh, I'm excited about because you kind of have to be excited about it or you may end up a part of the business. But uh, it's the new uh, the Rizzo family business where their motto is, is uh, we can kill everyone you know. Nice. <laughs> We can kill everyone, you know, and and I managed to get a uh, a private sponsor, uh, Jimmy Jenkins Tennis Instruction. We'll work on your forehand, we'll work on your backhand, and before we're done, you'll be in love. Helming, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's pretty good. Show like some that? love for for who is it? Jimmy Jenkins. Jimmy, Jimmy Jenkins. Jimmy the, Jenkins. Uh, good old Jimmy Jenkins. You yes. remember from down the down the road, right? He and used if to, you used to eat and, those snails, and if you need some money or whatever, just don't forget the Rizzo family business. Just make sure you pay back in an orderly fashion. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to run afoul of that duck company. That's, That's right. Sure. <laughs> All right. So you know what time it is. It's time to saddle up into the time machine. It's a lot more room oh, here with that bow in. Used to it. So much power. It's, there's a rhythm to it. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Oh. There you go, man. 1986. Man, I feel like a man board all this time travel. <laughs> feel like a man board. <laughs> oh, of course, I, I'm in a mandroid. You're right. Man board is another movie that may come up on the show eventually. But not in 1986. Not in 1986. Absolutely. Uh, 1986. And to give us a synopsis before we go any further. Oh, I, I managed to get the, the star power of Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he just needed M&M's and, uh, you know, a shot of whiskey, and he was ready to go. <laughs> I thought something smelled like cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, here you go. Here's Michael Caine. The Eliminators. I'm Michael Caine, and The Eliminators is a film about a pest control company under attack by a bunch of sewer rats. Faced with this incredible obstacle, our heroes find their true calling and save their own skins by becoming The Eliminators. Starring Jennifer Jason Lee and Peter Falk, and of course, in his screen debut, Captain Fluffinstuff as the leader of the rats. Enjoy. <laughs> Peter Falk. Yeah, I, I don't remember Peter Falk, but there was a guy with a glass eye in this movie. 
Pardon me, ma'am. Just one more question, ma'am. Yes. Is that a ninja over there? <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into this. So, Danny, I know it's probably hard to draw a reason, but what's your number one reason to watch The Eliminators? Man, you might be surprised. My number one reason to watch The Eliminators is Spot. Wow. Yes, I am surprised. Spot. <laughs> Spot the little robot that looks like he belongs in the the black hole. That's such a cool little thing. And I mean, as a kid, I'm sure that I love that thing. I mean, you can tell they were trying to come up with some stuff that would make good toys, right? In this movie, like, uh, but, but Spot, man, like, so he's he's the um, scout and patrol. Yeah, it's a, it's just an acronym <laughs> for all the things that this little robot does. Um, Denise Crosby. Um, she she's a scientist and she made she made these androids and uh, she's got this little droid that helps him out and it's just a cute little robot thing that helps him out and uh, you know when when the mandroid's there it hangs out on his shoulder in a way that that by no means looks like he's just kind of stuck to the costume back there. Hell <laughs> 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 really. Spot man, I, he's he's my top reason and maybe he doesn't belong there, but there he is. Well, he's he's a pivotal, you know, character in the movie for sure. I said he was kind of. I'm glad you brought up the black hole thing because that is very, very spot on. Spot on. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, what he looks like, because uh, I said he was like a combination of R2D2 because he's kind of the wisecracker kind of character, but it's like R2D2 and Bubo mixed together. But hey, yeah, black hole kind of nails it. Yeah, he doesn't look bad either. Like you know, he's, yeah. he's got the, the the red like text runs across his screen. Yeah. There are scenes where they could have just hoisted him up and he didn't move, but they still made his head move and stuff. Like you could tell that even though the the effects in this were pretty heavy, and the budget was probably really low, they they, they still really cared about making this little robot thing look pretty cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, I've got several things where he's involved. <laughs> of course, the big ones at the end is when he gets decapitated. So it's a big scene is when <laughs> yeah. when Spot gets decapitated was a big one for me. So uh, Yeah, th- there's a reason there, too, for me. So we'll, we'll oh, okay. be talking about that down the road. So okay. cool. what do you got? Uh, well, the first thing that stuck out to me, is because this ties in really to our show, is... Uh, I thought it was the Mandroid that had it, but really it's it's uh, Reeves, the, the mad scientist, has a time machine. Yeah. So any movie that's got a time machine, you know we're into it, man. And uh, it kind of looks like the one we built. Ours is a little more mobile, but it may be because of the chicken. But they do have a time machine in this movie. And also had it that, that uh, our mad scientist in, the, in this movie, Reeves... Is the yeah. epitome of mad scientist because he wants to rule. <laughs> he wants to rule ancient Rome. <laughs> so he builds a mandroid and some cavemen <laughs> and and some three wheelers to, to pull it off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he is the ultimately he is the epitome of of a villain in a sci-fi thing too. I mean, he does everything a villain should do. I think the only thing he doesn't do is kill a henchman with no reason. No. Nope. Well, yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't kill, kill a henchman him. for no reason. Right. But but uh, you know, like other than that, he you know he tortures his henchmen. He says, you know, don't fail me next time. He he uh, he betrays somebody who's working for him. You know, because they're just expendable now. You know, he, he he sends a hologram of himself to go warn people. He he does all the <laughs> stuff that that a good sci-fi villain should right. do. Yeah. 
But it's just the fact of, hey, I want to I want to rule ancient Rome, so I'm going to build a time machine, and I'm going to build a mandroid, <laughs> and uh, bring back some cavemen, uh, build yeah, some you, cool three-wheelers, and I mean, you, none of it has think, anything to do with ancient Rome. <laughs> you'd think with the, with the resources that he had available, he, he might just be able to live comfortably and rule, like, you know, quote-unquote yeah. Mexican jungle that he's living in there, you know, like... <laughs> The probably jungle. least Mexican Mexican jungle I've ever seen, but they're looking for Aztec gold. Yeah, like yeah, like in, in the Cumberland River over here. I mean, right. Yeah, it's just it, so if if you're looking for things that make a lot of sense, this is not your movie. But uh, he's a cool bad bad guy, man. He's he's a cool mad scientist. Absolutely. I, yeah, and you know I think you started off with the time machine. One hundred percent. Ours ours looks like that when it gets going and all that lightning ball you know right. surrounds it. <laughs> You know, that's killer. Yeah, that's why I don't stand outside the time machine. Yeah, yeah, you could you could have some permanent damage done there. True. Hell, man. The next reason I've got, I'm, I'm I'm sifting through them right now, trying to kind of find the best one. I'm just gonna have the fantastic security guards. Oh man. Yeah. Okay, so, so Denise Crosby, she's working in this lab, working on a you know high uh, end robotic androids or whatever and and there are two security guards there one of them looks like um like kevin james <laughs> yeah <laughs> the other one looks like it, the the kid that he brought to work that day and man you know like like there's a power surge you know and the guy says ah it's probably a cat or something and goes back to listening to his walkman yeah and it just these guys are just inept like the other guy goes and checks it out, but of course he's got nobody to check back into because uh, the other guys already got knocked out by the mandroid yeah. who bent the bars and caused the power surge. I mean, these two guys couldn't be more off the mark. And they had a bunch of cameras around them, even though the screens all have stuff on them. They can't like say, "Hey, there's a power surge in quadrant four. Well, let me pull up that camera and see what's there." They have to walk. He has to walk to the west vent and see that these bars are bent, and then radio back. It's just a it's a it's a bad security situation for these yeah. guys. Yeah, the the cameras are not in real time, I guess. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, or they couldn't see well enough. It's low grade cameras. It's like uh, those bars look like they might be bent. I need to go back to go in there and check it out. I do love the fact, <laughs> uh, and you may have this as a reason, but talking about that whole scene. But I, yeah. I love the fact that the mandroid is dressed up in a hat and the long <laughs> coat like Freddy Krueger. Running around it's like it's going to disguise him, but that red eye doesn't give anything away. You know, it's just glowing. It's like, uh, you know, you try a little harder on your, you know, disguise because, you know, that one's just not doing it. Yeah, actually, right under the the uh, security guards, I have Mandroid's excellent disguises. Yes, because yeah, he, he has many through the episode. There, you're dressed like the Undertaker, you know, with a glowing red eye. Yeah, it's not going to draw any attention to you. No, no. <laughs> This guy looks friendly. And I love the fact that Denise Crosby can speak robot, apparently. I mean, it's kind of like the the whole R2 thing. So the the spot's just making the whistles and beeps and stuff. She's like, where? What do you mean? How did you see that? I mean, it's just like, wow. Okay. You you never realize how ridiculous that is till you see it in other movies. Star Wars, somehow they pass it off. But in this one, you're like, yeah, pretty lame. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess she learned how to speak uh, robot when she was on um, Star Trek, The Next Generation or something. But that would have been after this. That's right. So, She'd had to time travel back to be able to speak robot in this movie. So I don't that's know. probably what happened. She used Reeves' time machine that was 
that was used of some of her bastardized technology. See what and, happens uh, when you have a time machine in a movie. It just throws everything out of whack. It, it really does. Yeah. Keep it to the professionals, folks. Send us your money. <laughs> Hail me. That's right, kids. And if your parents have any of that uh, green paper stuff in their wallets, you can mail it to Hail Main Power Hour, care of P.O. Box 11026 in right. Nashville, Tennessee, <laughs> 37204. Yep. It'll be in safe hands. The Rizzo family business is where to be going. <laughs> All right. So, so was that your next reason? Was the Mandroids excellent disguises? Uh, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, then I'm going to have to go on to, to my next reason. And I'm going to say that this movie is a prime candidate for watching the thing and fast forward. It yep. doesn't matter if you watch the whole thing through, unless you just really, really, really want to want to laugh at it. But if you want to see some some a few killer things, there's like a firefight when he when he gets into his mobile unit, which is my next reason. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so that's mine too. <laughs> I have to escape from the from the compound here. Get me my mobile unit. And it's like this this tank tread thing that he's standing on top of, you know. And uh, I don't know that it moves faster than no. he would have moved on legs. He could walk just as fast. <laughs> and it didn't really protect his torso because he was just sticking out of the top of it. And uh, I, I, and then when he goes to when he gets out of the compound and it's time to like make a long like journey on foot, he gets rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the mobile unit. <laughs> I'm just not sure the thing, yeah. but it's cool looking. Just look at it. That's the whole thing. It's, it's supposed to look cool. It's even on the cover of the of the box or the artwork on the poster because it looks I cool. It, I think it was some special effects they wanted to do, and maybe again, maybe it was for toy sales. Like they thought the Eliminators would be a hit with kids, and you could get Mandroid. Look, he's got his mobile unit. You know, like I, I don't know that, but the mobile unit. Yeah, it's well, worth checking out. I, I had right under that. And I was like, the uh, the Mandroid would have been better off if you just had a Segway, <laughs> because this thing was to- so inconvenient. I mean, there's even a second time that he gets on this thing, and we'll probably get to that later. But it is just not effective at all. He, he's better off just walking. But uh, it does look cool, man. It's it's the it's again, it's the image that you think of when you think of this movie. Is him on that on that tank tread or whatever it is so it goes downstairs yeah like he takes it down a, down a couple of flights of stairs that's pretty that's pretty cool yeah a car with no wheels on it will go downstairs so that's okay yeah <laughs> all right so my next reason is oh man so many notes well uh harry fontana the river rat <laughs> he's actually really cool because he has no idea he, he it's kind of like the han solo thing he, he kind of gets drug into this uh, by chance of being able to make a little money. And uh, it all starts in this bar scene where they come to find somebody to take them down the river just like Obi-Wan does in Star Wars. And, <laughs> and how about that gang, man? The <laughs> the gang that comes in is trying to beat him up at the bar. I can't remember the lady's yeah. name that's in charge of him, but she's tougher than any guy there. A Bayou Betty. Bayou Betty. Bayou Betty is, is a definite reason to watch this movie because... Yeah, I've got it in my notes too. Rumble in the trailer slash diner slash bar. Yeah, um, it's is, it's fun. That's a fun scene. Because she because Denise Crosby comes in and she's like, "Hey, I need the toughest guy here to to send, to take us up the river." And immediately, Bayou Betty just punches her partner. It's yeah. the person who's in the boat with her. Punches him in the face, Maurice. 
and then just it starts this this raucous you know bar that the guy behind the bar like runs around like like he can't wait to get involved in this like like he's like oh here we go and he runs around the corner and then um, in the meantime harry fontana he uh he jumps behind the bar and and you know just just kind of waits it out until the last one yeah and then man at the end of that he delivers delivers a brutal blow to the back of uh yeah of, Bayou Betty's head with a bottle shatters. I mean, the thing—it looks like it's the best hit in the whole fight, and it looks like he crap. It looks like she could be dead on the floor after that hit. Yeah, but that whole scene—it's almost a Blues Brothers type moment where I need the toughest guy in here, and she just looks over at her partner and just punches him right in the face, <laughs> yeah. just to show, yeah, I'm your person, you know. And, and oh, that, that's that's. That's the gold in this movie right there. I mean, it's it's not a man Borg on his mobile unit. It's it's not a mad scientist. It's it's you Betty punching her best friend or partner in the face. That that just seals the deal, man. It's great. But Harry Fontana, the thing about him is he's that kind of guy that you think of the the Han Solo type character. He kind of looks like a cross between what I have here. <laughs> he looks like if you took David Carradine and James Woods and smashed them together, and you get Harry Fontana or whatever the characters or the actor's real name is. Yeah, and I think he's um, I, I think he's in uh, other stuff. He, he's like in every 1970s show. Like, I, I looked him up, but I don't remember his name. Yeah. But he's always caught off guard. He has no idea what's going on. Even the back of his boat says no questions. So he's obviously up to no good at all times. So he's always trying to get the information out of Denise Cosby. Hey, what are we doing here? What's what's the goal? What's my cut? All these kind of things. And uh, he delivers a line later on that pretty much describes this movie in, in basically one sentence. And it's in my top five lines. Harry Fontana is a great reason to watch this movie. Yeah, I agree. He's uh, and and you know I, I have a an automatic uh, in with him because uh, in the old GI Joe TV show, um, there was an episode where they were getting new dreadnoughts. You know, uh, Zartan's crew, and uh, so they have this big rumble in the in the swamp. You know, and and it's just like a last man standing kind of thing. And there's a guy who uh, who hangs out at the periphery, and then he like drops a bomb on on everybody uh, at the end of the fight. This guy named Monkey Wrench. He's probably one of my favorite ones, and he does the, the Harry Fontana. He just waits for everybody to whittle it down, and then like takes out the last couple. And uh, I just, so so I, you know when I saw that later, I probably thought of this scene from the Eliminators because I don't know which one I saw first, but it's certainly something that affected my enjoyment of both. You know, I yeah, this is a that, scene that you saw a lot in a lot of different defense. things. So yeah, it's it's that typical '80s barroom blitz kind of thing going on, and and apparently I've got it wrote down here too is. In the 80s, when you knock somebody out, you fluff your hair up at the end of it. Uh, I, yeah. I, I wanted to count because there's like six or seven guys that they'll knock somebody in the head, and then when they're done, they just take their hands and run it through their hair and fluff their hair up. It's like, wow, that's done way too many times in this movie. Yeah, I, I agree. And like, in, uh, to the point that Bayou Betty like actually spits on her palms and does it, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. Of course, she's pretty gross. You know, she's played pretty gross. She, she's rough. Yeah, yeah. What you got, man? All right, my next reason for watching. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to say three things in succession since we've kind of jumped past it. Uh, when when they go to the the uh, facility to get uh, Denise Crosby, out of nowhere, the mandroid like produces some kind of a stunning stink bomb. <laughs> like when the other, when the other uh, the other security guard comes back, it's, he's like he's got this green smoke that he like waves in front of the guy's face and uh, just knocks him out. <laughs> 
that's cool. You know, that's that's a very 80s thing. It's like, well, I can't kill him because he's a good guy. Well, he's got the stink bomb, see? <laughs> um, stink bomb. <laughs> and then right after that, you know, they, they pull up to a, a stop sign. And as a, so, of course, some street toughs decide it's time to, to, like, you know, to harass Denise Crosby and, like, you know, he just steals her purse, right? Like, yeah. he's like, hey, could, could I... Can I interest you in some body work on your cars? And he's just like, oh, no. And, and he's like, what is he talking about? The Mandroid's over there. And she's like, well, he, he wants to give us car parts. And he just punches through the window and steals her purse. So, of course, it gives a chance for the Mandroid to be like, you know, I'll be back. And, you know, sh- shoot the guy's car with a torpedo. And then they head on down the road. But it's just another one of those opportunities for the movie makers to say, hey, what if some gang members decided to attack him right now and then the mandroid took him down you know it's well the thing i've got too is and i I just wrote it on here is denise crosby is a butt kicker in this movie because every time she gets she gets in a fight i mean she reacts man as soon as they took her purse she jumps out and she's like chopping dude in the back of the neck and i'm just like whoa wait a minute she's using those federation fighting tactics she learned in the future again you know (laughs) she does like the kick to the gut and then followed up by the double axe handle and the guys on the ground right yeah it's absolutely i She's she's bad news in this movie for a scientist. She may not be blowing up cars with her arm cannon that has to be changed every ten minutes. But <laughs> I, was, uh, I was just about to say the other cool thing about it. It's cool, but yeah. then it's not so cool. Is the interchangeable <laughs> apparatuses that that Mandroid has because he can change it to a cannon stuff, but it's a long process to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously they spent some money on that that special effect because they want to show it every every five minutes too. Yeah. He's like. Could click, take the arm off, reach back. Could click, put the new arm on, and then you know, he does whatever he needs it to do. Well, the thing is, is where is he keeping all these arms, man? Are they just on a backpack on his back, and he's just reaching back, grabbing an arm, and never shows where they come from? Air conditioner window unit that he's carrying on his back. Helming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, as cool as the Mandroid is, you know, again, he's got some inherent limitations, and then he's got a, a mobile unit that isn't all that helpful, and then he's got a, an air conditioner on his back, and then uh, and then he's got an interchangeable arm that kind of takes a minute. Like, hold on, hold on, I'm, gonna, I'm about to rip you a new one. No, hold yeah, on. Just hold on, you just wait right over there. This is uh, high technology right. right here. You just hold on. You don't know what you're going to get, buddy. <laughs> all right, it's back now. Now I'm aiming at you. Now, and, you know, it's always a, a bottle rocket, you know, and then whatever happens at the end is, you know. <laughs> That's very true, man, because you listen to it when it, the big fight scene at the end, and it's like, pew, pew, pew. it's a bottle rocket. I mean, that, that's all it is. <laughs> but it's good. I, I don't, I'm not complaining about it. I, no. I, I kind of like it. <laughs> it's all very real. So that's great, man. <laughs> by, by real, I mean practical. You know, they, right? It's before. You know, there's some rotoscope lightning, but everything else is like real cans of gasoline blowing up behind poorly constructed brick walls and uh, and, and bottle rockets and and people jumping. Oh, you know, it's it's um it's all very practical and it's a cool like sci-fi romp. So speaking of that, though, you're talking about the explosions and stuff. Kids, do you like exploding boats? I'm glad you do because there's one like every 20 seconds in this movie. Man, there's a lot of boat explosions in this movie. It's true that the, the boats are, are on the river. They're, you know, taxiing around, and then there are three boats chasing one boat, and then later there's a speed boat that that's trying to ram another boat, and and they all just explode. 
They, yeah. they float a little bit away to make sure everybody's safe from the pyrotechnics, and then boom. And nobody dies. I mean, these are huge explosions, but they'll end up coming, you know, showing up later on in a different boat. And you're like, there's, there's just no way, man. I mean, these things totally disintegrated the boat you were on. Even if you jumped out, <laughs> you couldn't get away fast enough for the explosion that just happened. And, uh, the, and the speedboat, man, I, that's another reason I had was uh, the Spanish-speaking Italian bounty hunters. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Well, and, and Maurice, you know, is French or something. He's yeah. So no, by you, Betty. He's like, what? <laughs> but you, you've got these guys that uh, are Reeves, the, the mad scientist, right hand men, the main bounty hunters that he's got, and they're terrible. They they can't do anything. And one of them's a big roly poly dude, super super redneck. Yeah. And they've got this speedboat. And uh, he's exactly what he's supposed to be. He's just a just an obnoxious person that you want to see get knocked off. It just takes him way too long to do it. But uh, they've got this boat, <laughs> and they're speaking, you know, very bad Spanish lingo. But then they've got an Italian marker on their boat. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, these guys with their and, and you know, Betty is surprisingly. Uh, okay with the fact that, you know, she's got the best boat on the river, but she gets no business because Harry Fontana takes it all and then he just blows it up with a can of gas. Right. And what about that scene? You know, like in this boat chase that you're talking about, you know, the, the, these three boats are chasing Harry Fontana and he decides, okay, I cannot run him and I'm tired of getting shot at, even though nobody's getting hit. Um, <laughs> he doesn't seem too worried. He's like, hey, everybody's just playing around. Yeah, they're just playing, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're shooting like, at him, oh, miss, oh. missed him just by a little bit. Oh, they're just messing around. So, yeah. So, so he uh, he takes a an oil, uh, he takes a gas drum and throws it into the the river behind him. Now, what are you doing? Like it takes like she she's what she's a scientist. She can't figure it out. <laughs> Gets his gun, puts it in his belt, hauls the gas tank over there, throws it. What are you doing? <clears throat> Yeah. But you know, then he says, "I saw this in a movie once." Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, right. <laughs> there we go. And then he, then he shoots and it explodes. And, and Bayou Betty and Maurice have to bail out. Oh, yeah, they they jump <laughs> typical, to the side. Typical A team style, you know. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Like every uh, like, again with the GI Joe, you know, every time a, a jet was uh, was exploding, they made sure to show the guy the parachute, you know, because right. we don't have too much death going on here. As much as I like Harry Fontana, he's not very good at what they hired him to do. <laughs> and then Denise Crosby, Crosby even makes a statement of, we need you on the team. We need your expertise. I'm like, of what? He didn't know how to get you where you needed to go. He couldn't keep you out of trouble. Expertise in what? <laughs> Again, I like this, too, because uh, you hit the nail on the head. It was something that came up later. They're like... They're talking to Harry Potter, and they're like, what about the Indians? And he's like, oh, there aren't any Indians around here. I mean, he lives there, so they should probably listen to him. You know, what about the Indians? He's like, there aren't any Indians. We found a jaguar carcass by a fire. Like, someone's been eating it. And he's like, eh, probably hunters then. And then, you know, the spot pipes out. Beep, 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 beep. And it's like, well, it, Spot says that if there were hinter, hunters, they would have taken the pelts, not eaten the, the meat. And he's like, uh, who are you going to listen to? Me? Again, to your point, the one you hired about the, the area, or that that walking, uh, or that that talking bowling ball, and then then it shoots him with a laser. <laughs> Spot shoots him with a laser, and he's like, "Hey!" And they all laugh. Yeah. Like, 
<laughs> so, so what expertise are we talking about here? Like the one that you completely eschew when he says stuff, or, or are you talking about like his his knowledge of the river, which is obviously lacking, or yeah, what? That's that's nuts, man. So again, it's just loopholes where they just, I don't know. It's almost a brilliant thing they did there because we need you for your expertise. And like I said, he just fails at just about everything. You know, they they got Harry Fontana because. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's one of my top five lines. Oh, you heard it again anyway. When uh, the Mandroid walks up, you know, he's got bandages all over his face uh, to hide his, his Terminator eye. And uh, and he's wearing, like, a big poncho. <laughs> he says, it's a little hot for a cape, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they hired him for his, his wit and his charm. Yeah, that's why he's there is to keep you entertained, which, which which actually ties into the next thing that I've actually got on my sheet of paper here. Nice. Is the scene where they're going down the river in the boat and for no reason, because you got Manborg on the back of the boat and he's looking at a picture of him and his wife from long ago and you know, he's being <laughs> sentimental right. about that. And then just out of nowhere, Harry Fontana says, everybody hang on. And he just floors the boat. <laughs> and the manboard just, or mandroid, flips out of the back of the boat backwards in the somersault, him and Spot, and just goes straight to the bottom of the, of the river. It, it is hilarious. I've rerounded it and watched it three or four times. Everybody hang on. <laughs> I mean, just, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, and, and it's like, I don't know, it's like the movie makers were like, how can we separate these guys so they can come back together later? Which really they don't have to do. Uh, I, I, but yeah, he he just kind of hits it and he falls out. And then of course later they're dredging the river for him, and it's like, oh, we'll never find him. There's 15 feet of muck at the bottom of this river. I guess your friend's just dead. <laughs> yeah, like, forget looking for him. I mean, we've gone through this whole trip trying to get him somewhere we need to get. Yeah, he's gone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I so mean, so, so they, there's two thoughts there. One, you know, he's too heavy to swim, so he's he's trapped in the 15 feet of muck, and he's dead. Or two, you know, he started to move, and he got out, and we need to look for him to be safe. There isn't a third option where you just keep going. Right. I mean... <laughs> Uh, it's just another you're exactly right it's the whole plot of how do we separate them because well we didn't think that through because we just blew up everybody's boats that's chasing them so there's nobody to split them up so how how does this happen everybody hang on (laughs) it's great Harry Fontana to the rescue (laughs) we need you for your expertise (laughs) expertise in 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 plot division (laughs) What you got next, man? All right. Um, so I got the boat chase. We talked about that. I, you know, and, and of course they get back to the to the test plane where the mandroid went down. You know, and was rescued and built into the manboard from his dashing fighter pilot self. And uh, Denise Crosby climbs in there to find clues about his uh, his ancient past or whatever. And uh, and, uh, and of course she gets stuck in there. And Harry Fontana comes in to rescue him. But before that. The, the plane's going underwater, and uh, the mandroid uses something that is my next reason. It's the invisible tow cable thing, right? Yeah. So he shoots his, you know, one of his many arms, and it, it's got this this grappling hook that catches the thing and keeps it from sinking. But I'd be damned if I can find any rope in that. Like, there's one attached to the back of the the plane, but then there's like a cut of him like holding his hand there, like it's got the rope. But I don't see any cord or anything. Yeah. 
He's just like, oh, it's it's going down. And there's like a like a motorized noise, like ring, ring, like he's got a fishing pole or something. And uh, <laughs> but there's no rope, there's no cord, there's no nothing. Yeah. So invisible tow cable. Well, yeah, that's that's a reason. Those are hard to find. <laughs> yeah. So you know, go to your local Mandroid apparel shop. Yep. Ask, ask, when you get your mobile unit, ask for the, the, the invisible wire. Ask for the invisible wire. Uh-oh, there's yeah. a commercial coming on. I, yeah, maybe so, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> the, the Rizzo family business could use that. All right, next thing I got, I said, man, Reeves sure does love his ray gun. <laughs> Miller and his henchmen come back, and dude don't even say anything when he walks in. He just yeah. immediately shoots the guy with a ray gun. <laughs> And like picks him up in the air, and he's like, electrocuting the dude. So he drops yeah. him down. And uh, I'm sorry, boss. We tried to find him, and we just didn't have any luck. And so he just, you know, he shoots him once in the groin with it. He shoots him around the neck, <laughs> yeah. picks him up with it. He's just having fun, man. <laughs> yeah. I've got it in my notes right here. Shoots dude in the balls real quick. Like, like he's, done, he's done interrogating him. The guy's like, oh, he, they won't get here. He's like, they better not reach my compound. And then, like, right before he leaves, he's like, Bap! and he just shoots him one more time. He's right in the nuts with, with a little electrical thing. And dude's like, hey, come on, let's get out of here. I, I would too, man. You go to talk to your boss and he abuses you with electricity. Oh, um, this is great. <laughs> My my next reason is uh it, it goes back to that harpoon gun scene, which is not a good scene, by the way. Yeah, the, the the scene with the, the the fighter pilot plane and all that, you can skip it. Just skip it. Don't even worry about it. Like, but but the one thing that was funny when when Harry Fontana goes to save her by uh, by chopping this branch that is the, keeping the the, yeah. the uh, mandroid from being able to pull the uh, the plane all the way out, maybe. Um, he reaches over there with a machete, and they kick in with this really heroic music. Right. You know, it's like it's like some James Horner kind of like. Chopping, he's just like, "Hey, why do you call a guy a pirate just for trying to make his living?" Chop, 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 and then he chops the bridge. And then, like after that scene, Harry Fontana is whistling that same music. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's, he's whistling it like. Like the same tune and everything that was just playing in the soundtrack. And I was like, oh, that's that's worth mentioning because that's that's gold right there. Also, the fact of just the, the, the whole idea of Denise Crosby, Crosby getting into that plane, which is sinking in the water. She had to go submerge herself to get in there. Right. She goes right. and brings back the picture, which is dry. How did she keep the picture from getting destroyed and when, when it got wet, when she came back out of there? I mean, that that's one of those things like... Why are you bringing a picture? Because you know it's going to be ruined by the time you get it out of the water. Well, and, and also, you know, not to pick too many nits here, but how long has that that plane been there? Like, did right. you just crash it like last week or something? Because it, it's like still at the top of the water, doesn't have anything growing on it. Yeah, it, it looks like they, they it looks like they just threw it in the water for the scene, which is what happened. <laughs> but you know, just. Again, just just don't worry about the fighter pilot yeah, thing. Yeah, because none of that matters. Because what matters right now is when you get one hour into this movie. What does this movie need when you get an hour into it? Cavemen. 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 I'm gonna say it again. Cavemen. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, cavemen, man. Uh, How? Cavemen. How does that make a lick of sense? So you're you're doing uh. you're. Doing, 
you're doing the whole and again I'm using Star Wars a reference because yeah, I can tell that's where they kind of pulled a lot of this information but yeah we'll do the thing like the Ewoks where you know these primitives capture them and bring them back to their place and and you don't know if they're going to sacrifice them or, or enjoy them or so you got that whole scenario that happens out but yeah man one hour into this movie you get cavemen and to Danny's point what do you need at one hour and one minute into this movie a ninja yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not wasting any time here, folks. You get past the harpoon part, and then every minute you're getting you're getting new characters. So my, my son and I are watching, and I agree. At this point, it just starts going, and and you can just keep watching from here. Yeah, pretty much. Like at this point, my, my son's watching the movie with me, and and uh, the ninja comes in, and the first scene they have with the ninja is he's he's catching a fish out of the water. But the way they did this was they just had the actor drop the fish in the water and then they played it in reverse. Right. So it's just like he's standing there and this fish just jumps into his hand <laughs> with some kind of ninja magic. <laughs> and, and my son was like, whoa. And I'm like, well, what? He's, except I missed it. I think I was making dinner or something. He's, whoa. And he explained it. We watched it. And he's like, yeah, they just played that in reverse. I mean, he knew exactly what was going on, but he, was, he still said, whoa, you know, like, because it's kind of just, just weird and unique. He might have been using that that invisible cable you were talking about earlier to catch the fish. Maybe, maybe so. And you know what's what's even more impressive than him just just willing a fish to upside down jump into his hand. But what's cooler than that is the fact that he can cook that fish over a fire just by holding the fish in his bare hand over some fire, <laughs> like you know, kind of kind of flipping it side to side like it's on a spit or something. But but really, he's just holding it in his hand, and uh, that's that's a badass right there. <laughs> He's a ninja, man. What do you expect? Yeah, he's, he's trained his senses to not stop him from cooking fish over open fire with it. You know, I would not burn. Yeah. Yep. I, I, so I've got it here. So what happens is at the beginning of the movie, we were talking about the Reeves betraying people that work for him. He has a, a Japanese scientist that works for him that actually helps the man Borg escape. Man, mandroid. Helps mandroid, the mandroid. Yeah, I keep doing that too. <laughs> keeps, helps the mandroid escape. And... He kills the Japanese scientist. So his son is coming to find his dad because he's been missing all this time. His son, Guji. Guji. And, uh, okay, so this is my question. Why would a Japanese scientist's son be a ninja? Well, you know, I I think since, since you posed that question, I've been thinking about it. And I think maybe while Takata went to work for Reeves, uh, Guji just went off to ninja school. It, you know, that's the normal thing to do, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, when when your dad goes off to science, ing, somewhere, <laughs> you go off to ninja school. <laughs> so, and this really leads to. I know we've gone through all this stuff already. What we talk about it being the reasons to watch it, but a real reason to watch this, even though it's not as epic as it should be, you get to see a ninja jump through an industrial fan while it's running. Yes, this is the. You know what? When I when that scene was coming up. I was like, this is where I saw this scene. Because that, that is one of the scenes that has been stuck in my head. Two ninja scenes. That and the one where he inexplicably produces a ninja star after they've all been captured. Right. Like, like Where you been hiding that the, at, man? <laughs> right, right. I mean, well, a ninja is never un- unarmed. But yeah, the, him watching the fan and then jumping through it. Yeah, it's, it's such a great scene. And it's, it's so in, good. It, it's in slow-mo, but still, it's just the fact of... You know, it, it is. It's one of those 80 scenes where you just go, all right, because you're anticipating it. You're watching him. He's watching the fan. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a cool scene, man. 
even though what doesn't make any sense is they're down that long corridor or wherever the, the fan is, and they're blocked because there's henchmen at the other end that obviously obviously can see them down there. Yes. So instead of shooting them or anything, <laughs> they just say, oh, we're trapped. And that's when he jumps through the fan, stops the fan so they can keep going. But it's like, did these guys just not have guns? I mean, they're they're kind of like guarding the place. And they've got them trapped, but, you know, no, we're not going to shoot them. Yeah, and yeah, the, the whole, we've got a fan on one side, we can't go back. And, you know, while they're trying to figure out what to do, you just see the ninja and, and you become the ninja. That's you're right. Like, oh, I know what you're thinking, man. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump through this fan. And then he jumps through that fan. And it's it, it just makes me stand up and and, and and pump my fists in the air and say I'm bad. I mean, and it's then just the ninja like sidekicks the 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 motor on the fan, blows it up. So yeah, they get through. Yeah, it's cool. Because they even say they're like we could we could break the motor on the fan. Just like it's on the other side. You know, you know how no. awesome this would have been though. I mean, let's think about this. How awesome would it have been if he didn't make it through? <laughs> You know, because the build-up and the anticipation of him jumping in there, and then, <laughs> or how about this? How about how about he he almost makes it through and it chops off his arm, and then he's got to use one of the one of the mandroids' arms. Oh yes! <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, man. that's the sequel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ninja Borg. What about Ninja Droid? What if Ninja he got droid. chewed up in the fan and it threw all the bloods and blood and guts all over Denise Carsby and Fontana, and they just run screaming towards those people at the other side and they freak out and take <laughs> off because they're covered in blood and guts? See, yeah, that would have worked too. Maybe that's what the ninja was planning, but he actually made it through. I think that's the, in the extended scenes. We'll have to ask Charles Band about that. Yeah, I don't want to ask Charles Band anything. <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> you be like, oh, that's a good question. Have you invested in our latest streaming video? Oh, like, no. here we go. Here no, we go. No, no. So we see him in Texas every year. And he, yeah, I yeah. tell you what, man, he's a moneymaker. He knows how to. And, you know, he can put on a show when he wants to. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to him. Yeah. And I, I really, I really am not a detractor. He's just always trying to sell me. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little weary of it. That's all. Yeah. He's oh. a car, he's a car salesman, man. He's got it down. So anyways. He must do well. He's still in business. Back to the movie. Evil uh, Bong. Evil Bong. Damn me. What do you got next, man? All right. Well, I've got so much. They got spot attached to the mandroid shoulder. Yes. And he falls in. Dude shoots dude in the nuts. Uh, (laughs) Caveman. Uh, So, so, yeah, here's my note on Caveman. I have Caveman because time travel. Sure. Yeah. Because there's no explanation given, but I guess the idea, like, um, I I guess the thought is maybe in previous attempts to, like, get the time calibration right, and he brought some cavemen through, and he just let them live in the jungle. Because why not? You know, they'll they'll keep people away. Um, Kind of a Scooby-Doo-ish kind of thing there. It's it's kind Um, of a Alan the Dr. Moreau kind of thing. I, I really, with all the time travel hijinks going on, I saw the time the cavemen, and I just kind of made some assumptions in my own brain, like I did when I was a kid. I'm sure, because again, this is not really a movie so much as it is a string of events that they wanted to put on film. Right. You know, Mandroid escapes, uh, Ninja catches fish. Uh, you got guy blows up boats. You know, all these things are just like that, that's the movie. Yeah, and then the the story is kind of secondhand. So, w- one thing I'm gonna say is a reason to watch this movie from the beginning to end is 
Dr. Reeves, the evil bad guy, and his transformation. Because yeah. at first he's really old, and yeah. then he's like younger, but he's got like patches of skin sewed on half his face. And then at the end, he's kind of a younger guy. You know, he's, he looks kind of like uh, Robert England or something at the end, where yeah. you know he's kind of a younger looking guy with a goatee. It's really weird. And, uh, and there's no explanation given, but obviously he's doing something to to reverse his uh, his aging. And at the, even at the beginning, he's he's got like all these scars, and he's like, "Was any compassion given to me?" And he sh- shows these scars on the side of his face. And then, like you know, I guess later that's why they're sewn in there is because he's eliminating his scars by taking a whole bunch of like one and a half inch pieces of skin and sewing them together. There's there's no way that's going to cause scars. Um, <laughs> but then at the end, he's, he's perfectly okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that, and young. That's one of those things that they just didn't really explain at all it just happens so but, but, but it's cool the, the old man makeup looks good the yeah. star makeup looks good like whenever you see it there isn't a oh god look at that they didn't they didn't scrimp on the special effects the, the special effects were limited yep but they didn't scrimp on them man they, they made it as big a deal as they, as they could, could. And, which ties into another thing i've got right here real quick since you're talking about the effects and stuff but man mandroid becomes a propeller Remember they get on that little raft and <laughs> it sticks his feet in water goes, everybody, hold on. And you're expecting yeah. another Fantana, Fantana moment? Yeah, I've got the raft escape. And, you know, and, and that too, if he, he puts his feet in there and it's like, <laughs> and then they start going, right? Because they're, they're trying to get away from the cavemen who have really weird sounding arrows. They're like, <laughs> and, uh, and, and while they're going across, he's like, they're like, okay, you can slow down now. He's like, I can't, it's malfunctioning. He's like, man, you just started. <laughs> And so, and they just kind of ram into the other shore of the river, right. which apparently is far enough away for them to be done getting away from the cavemen. Yeah, but you can see it. I mean, it's only, <laughs> it's only like 20 yards away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not so far at all. Like, Brace for impacts. Whoa! <laughs> and then they hit in, like, you know, of course, the ninja, like, jumps simply, and then, like, Fontana does the somersault under the thing, and, you know, is everybody okay? It's like, man, uh, Mandroid's uh, feet motors suck. It's like he's he's got all the abilities, but they're just not quite what they should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was your reason. So I guess I, I'm going to go yep. into my next reason, which is a, a three wheeler battle. Yes, that's on my list. Too. Like right after that, they're, they like walk a hundred yards. They convince Fontana not to bail. That's and where then, Mandroid finds his uh, mobile unit again. My mobile unit. <laughs> right. And of course, yeah. Then they're 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 raced down by a whole bunch of dudes on three wheelers with these, lasers. Uh, these guards on the front, so they can't be shot. Yeah. <laughs> and they got these laser guns mounted on the front, so they're pew pew. The three wheeler battle is is ridiculously fun. Yeah. Um, oh, you know another reason you watch this movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's for that super huge satellite that he's got on top of the, of the mad side of his house. The thing's bigger than the house, and it's mounted like on the roof. <laughs> you said the mad scientist's house. <laughs> the mad scientist's house where he keeps his, his 35 uh, henchmen guys with guns and, and the redneck dude and his, and his boat. and Yeah. I, uh, but, yeah, there's a satellite dish that sits up there that's probably like it's something out of uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, like the giant ones on Endor. It's just this enormous satellite dish. Yep, ridiculous. Moving on, really, you're watching this movie. There's no reason to, to, to slow down at this point. You know, they're all going to the end of the road. They're all going to Reeves's uh, hideout, and 
the, the next thing I really have is the the gunfight at Reeves's hideout oh, and yeah. the showdown with with Super Reeves. You know where he's like a big robot um, <clears throat> Roman soldier guy, right? Which uh, sounds a lot. <laughs> which sounds a lot like this. I've got to help him. No, Reeves will cut your shreds. John's our only hope. John's our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Mandroids fighting the the super scientist and and all those shots were shots being, <laughs> that are hitting the Mandroid. Oh, he's yeah, the only yeah. he's the only hope we got, and he's just <laughs> he's just raining ro- bottle rockets all over him, man. <laughs> man, and you know it's obvious that Reeves saved all the best technology for himself because right. you know he doesn't have to reload, he doesn't have to put on a new arm. He just he just lays it into to the the Mandroid, and <laughs> really, there's no chance. Right. Although you know, I don't understand how the ninja isn't isn't like one of their hopes. You know, the ninja can do magic stuff, but well, why can't he fight Reeves? He's the one that even says, "I got to go stop him." He's like, "Are you kidding? He'll rip Are you to shreds." <laughs> There's no way your ninja magic can stop him. We need this this defunct mandroid instead. <laughs> the man the man who has to switch out his arm every five minutes to to. Oh, that didn't work. Let me try this one. Hold on, hold on. Let me switch this arm. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, listen, Nora, the scientist. You know, it's, it, but it's an ensemble, right? I mean, you've right. got the scientist, you've got the the swamp rat and the ninja. It, it's not just the Mandroid show, right? But that was kind of broken up earlier too. When the Mandroid shows up, and he's like, "Reeves, Reeves, come out here!" And he's wanting to have the showdown, and he's like. Yeah, I've already caught your other guys. So how effective were they <laughs> when they jump through the fan and then they just get caught on the other side of the fan? <laughs> well, see, and that, that's where they, they've been caught. But the but the ninja still has a ninja star, and he's able to throw it. I forget what he throws it at, but it messes everything up, man. He, <laughs> he it's like oh, all hope is lost. I remember being a kid and being like, oh no, it's, they're, they're going to lose. And then the ninja threw a ninja star, and it and it and all hell broke loose. It was perfect, you know. So. You have to admit the whole scene where he he gets them all together and he like shoots that electronic net over them and it holds them in that thing and it keeps getting smaller on them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And there's um also you know we, we kind of we kind of went by it. We mentioned it earlier the uh, the ninja decapitating Spot. Right. Like, because Spot goes haywire and starts shooting everybody with his little stun lasers, you know, and and. Uh, and and the ninja is having none of it. He's like, yeah, I know this is your robot. I know we kind of like it. Boom! He just jumps up in the air. He dodges a couple of laser bolts, which obviously are a little more than whatever shot Fontana. And then uh, and then he just brings his sword down and just chops Spot in half. <laughs> he's having none of it. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're gonna go crazy. Well, I'll show you crazy. And then he just chops Spot in half. So the 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 group is all trapped in the the electronic net. The Mandroid goes over and grabs a hold of it and like takes all the energy in. It's frying the circuits and all that good stuff. And then, uh, so you think he's going to die because he's been electrocuted just like the Emperor in Star Wars. Again, you know, we've kind of seen this stuff. And then they all run in there, and the Mad Scientist is getting in the time machine. He's going back to the Roman Empire to take over. And right. if, he cha- if he goes back and changes history, the Ninja even says that and never finishes the sentence. If he goes back <laughs> and changes history... And that's it. Well, you know, 
But what's awesome is he, he gets in there. He, he gets his, his, he's typed in his calculations of where he's going. The computer's automatically making him go. The finest computer 1985 had to offer. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it shows that he's going back to the Roman times on the computer. They're like, it's done. We can't stop him. He's gone. And who saves the day? Fontana. Fontana. Right. Because of him he being an imbecile. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just going to punch the console thing. He's like, ah, damn it. And he punches the console. And then, do, 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 You know, like, it sends him back to, like, you know, dinosaur times. Yeah. He's the ruler of nothing now. And how does this movie end, Rick? I mean. Freeze frame. Freeze frame. Everybody starts laughing. They're like, well, I guess he can't lead anything now. And the guy, you know, Freeze is out in the past. He's, he's like, no. And then they go back to them. They're like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Freeze frame. And, credits roll. and then you get the, the song. This is a cool song. This is a serious 80s jams right here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you've got that awesome music that, that kicks in. I mean, what it's, more is there to say about that? Like Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a fun romp, man. I, I, again, it's cheesy. Uh the effects are weak at times, but you can tell they really put an effort into it. I still think it's a fun film. I, I agree. And you know, watch it by all means, just turn it on, let it roll. Watch the, the the explosion scenes. You know, un- unfortunately for this movie, I think, you know, they do these action sequences so much better now, right? That it's kind of hard to appreciate it for what it was. You know, every fight scene is like super choreographed now, and every special effects has the the benefit of uh, of writing whatever you want onto the to the scene, you know, right. via computers. So you know, you look at this now, and, and you have to kind of think. 1986. This yeah. was this was pulling out all the stops. Yeah, for a, for a low budget film, it's 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 pretty cool, man. That's gonna bring us up to top five lines. Top, top five, five lines. lines. Top five lines. Yay! <laughs> so I'll kick it off, man. Uh, Fontana, like I said, had a line that pretty much breaks this movie down in just one sentence. He he looks at everybody and goes, "What is this? Some kind of comic book?" We got robots, we got cavemen, we got kung fu, <laughs> and it just stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely in my top lines too. But yeah, it's, it's a great line. I wouldn't rob it from you. My, my line, you know, this this was kind of like I was watching it and I and I couldn't believe what I heard. There's a scene in that final showdown at Reeves's place where uh, Mandroid says, "Get out of here, all of you." And then the, all the henchmen start running, and one of them goes, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of general crowd noise. All right. One of them goes, okay. It's just great, because he, he's blowing everybody up with his mandroid powers before he you know, locks horns with Reeves there. Oh. <laughs> now, like when the, when the mandroid finally meets up with, with the ninja, and the ninja looks at him and says, I am a ninja. Hail me. <laughs> As I mentioned before, when Fontana meets the Mandroid and he's in his excellent disguise, it's kind of hot for a cape, isn't it? Yeah, that's great, man. That's a that's... great one. <laughs> Fontana had a lot of great lines. He did. He did. Uh, you got any more? Yeah, yeah. I've got a... When, when Fontana's like, 
ah, forget this. I'm leaving you guys. And he's, he's going up into the woods and, and Nora chases him down. She says, where are you going? He says, I'm going west. She says, that way's west. She points a different way. <laughs> Again, pointing out, why do you hire this guy as a guide? We need you for your expertise. <laughs> we need you for your expertise. That should and have been a top the, five uh, line. <laughs> spot the robot is basically like Google Maps on steroids. Right. All right. And the last one I got is when uh, Denise Carsby is, is talking to Reeves, and she says, you want some of my peanuts? My peanuts! <laughs> yeah! My peanuts. That's perfect. <laughs> Thought you'd like that. Yeah, yeah. I do have one more line. All right. It's those two security guards. Oh, man. And the guy says, Chief, I got a power surge on the east vents. And uh, and the other guy says, so? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just rocking out with his, with his Walkman there. Probably listen to some Dio or something. With, I think he follows it up. I like it's. It's probably a cat or something, but just he stops for a long minute. So, so? <laughs> like, what are we security guards or something? <laughs> it's great. Uh, Fun stuff. Rating time. I bring time, us up to rating time. What do you give it, man? I'm going to have to give the movie 82 Cavemen because time travel. <laughs> I'm going to give it uh, 47 detachable robot arms. Yes. One for everything like you can think of. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm gonna I'm putting on this arm. You better you better just hold on right there. I'm gonna line up and you're gonna Why are you running away? <laughs> <laughs> and as always, Brian Blessed, what do you think of the Eliminators? Oh well Who wants to live forever? <laughs> All right. He's on board, man. He likes it. He's on I think so. He's on Borg. Ha! Helming. Mandroid. Mandroid. Borg. Man Borg. Droid. Man Borg. <laughs> so yeah, man, I I enjoy this and I, I think you should take the time. If you love 80 schlock, sci fi, A team, Night Rider, if you if you like that kind of stuff. You'll still love this movie. It, it still holds up pretty well as far as that kind of stuff. Uh, again, I was really surprised that it was as good as it was. Yeah, and I think if you ever get a chance to meet Charles Band, you should you know, you should ask him, you know, what it was like to work with the man board, right? With the man droid, with Spot, <laughs> with the swamp rat, the ninja, with the ninja, and the caveman, and the scientist. Yeah. And they had some some killer like ancient Rome scenes too, where there were some Romans and they had a tent. It was yeah. on the side of like a hill. Yeah, it opens up <laughs> with like and the android the... comes in and starts <laughs> shooting. <them. laughs> yeah, that again makes perfect sense. You know, it's like I remember seeing that when his credits started running. I was like, oh yeah, this is really going to be bad because <laughs> you got a, a pilot crashing a plane and then it goes to Roman times and somebody shooting the Roman soldiers and yeah. Looked looked great, but it actually uh, it actually made some sense. And I got a question. Maybe, maybe you can answer, but I, I want to know what 
Bayou Betty would have done because Fontana's explaining that he's dragging his boat through a through a shallow point in the river, and she goes, "I should have gone with Bayou Betty," and he says, "Oh, that shows how smart you are." And she goes, "What?" And he goes, "By now, Bayou Betty, or by now, Miss Betty would have had you," and he like <laughs> falls into the water right. as he gets deep all of a sudden. Yeah, and then the cavemen show up and I ne- never get to know never what know. Bayou yeah. Betty would have done. That's right. She probably just s- smacked everybody in the face and spit in her hands and slipped her hair back. <laughs> she probably would have been like, "Well, I'm the best boat here." Like, yeah, I think so. And then she just turned and punched <laughs> Denise Crosby in the face. face. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know, that's great. apparently what she does to her friends there. That's right. Her and Maurice, who are it's moving to Alaska, love taps. <laughs> Right, just folks. don't mad about that love tap. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back, folks. You've heard the thunder from down under. You felt the magic of Magic Mike. You've been rescued by Chippendales. Hey, I'm stretching here. Well, this Saturday night at Myrtle's Bar and Grill and Small Engine Repair slash Beauty Shop, get ready, ladies, for something you've never, ever seen before. Because this Saturday night, bring your raincoats, ladies. Ricky Morgan and Danny Bennett are Mandroids. One night only. No cover charge with 50 cent drafts. Mandroids. A proud presentation as a gift to you from the Hell Ming Power Hour. Somewhere in the future's past lays the Council of Time, whose duty it is to preserve the timeline. Council, here's the situation. We have a supervillain in 1986 preparing to go back in time and rule the Roman Empire, thus changing history. A team is formed to stop him, consisting of a scientist, a mercenary, a ninja, a mandroid, and to a much lesser extent, a tiny robot. Unfortunately, as an effective fighting force, they kinda suck. Therefore, we are putting together a crack team of time-traveling heroes. They will consist of Doc Brown and Marty McFly. Great Scott! Oh, this is heavy. The Doctor. Right, perfect. Look at that. What could possibly go wrong? Nick, who has a... He has... Nick, what is it you have again? Must be some kind of hot tub time machine. Yeah. You, you know what? Um, on second thought, Nick, you can just sit this one out. Just, just, just go away. I don't even want to look at you. Also, we have Bill and Ted. Excellent! And finally, Rick and Danny. Together, you shall... It's okay. We took care of it. 
Wait, what? Yeah, it's over. How? Danny, put a spider on his keyboard. Wait a moment. The historical records have updated. According to this, Fontana punched the keyboard of Reeves' time machine, sending him 40 million years into the past. Of course! Fontana was an arachnophobe! Brilliant work, men! We're all good here, so we'll just take our reward and go. And it is a reward well earned. Rick, Danny, for saving time itself, we present you with a new time chicken. <laughs> you guys take it easy. go two of the finest men I have ever known. Rick and Danny returned home under the power of their new time chicken and reviewed movies. Abbott Reeves wiped his butt with a leaf and died of a disease that hasn't existed in a million years. I finally sold that last catchphrase omatic. Now it's time to open up the Robot Arm Emporium. Ah, my first customer. You'll find a lot of useful junk right this way. Hey, so you know when you're uh, trying to make popcorn, right? Check this out. Microwave arm. Try it on. see that it's not doing it for you. I thought it was pretty snazzy. Well, how about this? You'll never have to look for the remote control again. Pretty nice, right? Try it on. For Capitol Hill to work out a compromised health care plan, he lost his voice after his State of the Union speech. A roof collapsed at a supermarket in France. Soccer bopper, soccer bopper, more fun than Blow them up. Press out the box. Man, nothing cheers you up. What do you want then? You want to take this mobile unit to find the old droid part creator and then take her to the jungle to fight cavemen and kill Dr. Reeves or die trying? Where are you going? That renewable unit ain't free. Man, I'm gonna lose more mobile units that way. And now, did you know? With former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hello, this is the former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this is Did You Know? Did you know that Tim Thomason was originally slated to play Harry Fontana? Did you know Don Wilson was considered for the role of Koji, 
But the pot eventually went to Conan Lee. Not to be confused with Conan the Destroyer. Did you know throughout the film, the main protagonists are not called or referred to as Eliminators? Did you know that you can believe me now and hear me later? There's no way the Eliminator can beat a Terminator. You see these abs? You could grate cheese with these abs. Did you know this is Patrick Reynolds' last feature film? Did you know Denise Crosby later went on to star as Tasha Yar in Star Trek The Next Generation? Did you know that I was a Terminator, a barbarian, a destroyer, a kindergarten cop? Not some girly man like Conan the O'Brien. Did you know when Fontana throws a gas tank into the water and it explodes by shooting it? He says he saw it in a movie. That movie was From Russia with Love from 1963. Which James Bond, played by Sean Connery, does the same thing. Did you know Eliminators from 2016 is not a remake of this film? Although it shares the title and was released 30 years after this movie. You've been listening to Did You Know? With the former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get in the choppers! Everybody! Everybody get down! To Myrtle's Bar and Grill and Small Engine Repair Slash Beauty Shop for Mandroids this Saturday night. Alrighty, everybody, that's gonna do it for us. Uh... I think you would really enjoy and go back and check this one out. Uh, if you like the 80s in general, this is just a piece of it. Uh, those low-budget films that were just cranked out and shown on HBO day after day. And uh, it surprisingly is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's an ensemble sci-fi action-adventure. And, you know, they they did their very best to, to do the effects right. The acting is, you know, subpar. The the story is incomprehensible, but it it's fun, you know, and that's all it was ever supposed to be. Right. It's like a big Saturday morning cartoon show. Yep. And we haven't really talked much about it, but we just got back from Texas, going to Texas Frightmare. We had a big time there. Uh, I got to meet Dario Argento for a little bit, so that was a, that was a big one for me. I'm a, I'm a big Dario Argento fan, so we actually had a really, really good time. And uh, we also recorded the a, a audio commentary track for the first Flash Gordon movie. And uh, that's out there floating around the Facebook page. And uh, I believe I even got it on YouTube and stuff. So if you want to check that out, definitely check it out. You can either see it with the video and actually watch the movie with us. Or you can just get the audio version and just listen to it while you're watching your own copy of Flash Gordon. Because I know every one of you have it. If you don't, oh, yeah. you, you're just, you, you, you suck. It's on Legion. Yes, it's on Legion as well. So uh, the commentary is on Legion. Make sure to go there and give your patronage to all of the great podcasters on Legion Podcasts. All right, that's nice, man. Or the Rizzo family may come (laughs) come give you a visit. Give you a visit. (laughs) Remember uh, Jimmy Jenkins' tennis tutorials. They'll work on your forehand, your backhand, and then you'll be in love. That's right. Well, if there's nothing else, that's pretty much it for us. So I'm Rick. I'm Danny. 
and we'll see you next time. Yup, 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 yup. Oh, wrong sound. <laughs> Mandroid, a one-man wrecking crew. But was that enough? The swamp rat, Fontana. He knows the terrain, but does that equal success? The scientist, Nora. She invents all the robots that make our jobs easier. But is that a purpose? Gucci, the mystic ninja. Is his quest to find his father enough when the stakes really increase? No. It takes the whole team to make a movie. That and Spot. So, good night, everybody. And remember, actions speak louder than catchphrases. Members of the audience will receive the following classic curves by Biddos. The Pants for Feel Good Company. A gift certificate from Maru-Chan Ramen Noodles. Rice-A-Roni. All guests receive a copy of the El Ming Home Game. Thanks to the creative minds and special appearances of Mark Allison, Jeremy Finch, and Jacob Kennedy. El Ming is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. Check out all the great shows at legionpodcast.com. Hail Ming is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Legion Podcast. This is Dan Pardo saying good night.